BDFM. Welcome to BDFM. I'm D. I'm a comedian and uh, scientist and engineer. I am B. I am a writer and a parent and a nerd. All right. Now that we established context, welcome back to BDFM. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus. I don't know when the last episode was slash will be released, but... Um, I can't even remember the last time we recorded. <laughs> at least a month, maybe That's a month true. and a half. We moved into a new studio space. In beautiful Elysian Park. We've got a very DIY indie little home studio here. It's great. We have a nice basement studio going... We've really moved up. That's why we're watching the Jeffersons, because we're moving on up. Are we really? No. Uh, That's a good one, though, for the future. What you see, this leads us right into our into explaining our gimmick, which is that every week we choose an episode of television to bring to the table and to discuss with each other. Sometimes we tell each other what it's going to be, mm. and sometimes we don't. In this case, I, I don't know. pre-discuss, but this time... We haven't spoken in a month and a half. <laughs> no, we've moved in together, um, so we speak all the time. But we we haven't uh, we haven't revealed to each other what our episodes are. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna each can pick an episode of TV. We're gonna watch along, and uh, you can watch along with us on either Patreon or Garage TV. G R A G E TV. So let's get right into it. So who's gonna reveal first? Which episode? We have no way of knowing who went first last time. We I don't know. We could, could we could know, we could keep we a spreadsheet. Don't. Why don't you go? Sure. This week I'm bringing to the table an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Again, we have done Buffy before. We've but done it once do before. It the shows that we have repeated are so far The Office and Futurama. We're adding mm -hmm. Buffy to the list of repeated series, which I think that all fits in terms of sure. Shows we've watched a lot. Number three with a bullet, Buffy. <laughs> this is the third episode of the fifth season of Buffy. It's called The Replacement. It originally aired in October of 2000. It was... Is this the two Xanders episode or is this... Uh... This is the two Xanders episode, yes. Oh, it is? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Do you remember seeing this when it aired? Not when it aired, but I have watched till probably season four. I might have fallen off at some point, but I think I've seen it. I don't remember it at all. Great. And where's Buffy playing? Buffy is streaming on Hulu. So you can watch that episode on Hulu when we take a break. Or just keep listening and we'll tell you how it went. For my episode, man, I haven't seen this show probably since I was in college. Billy West and John Crickfalusi voice Ren and Stimpy. <gasps> My episode is on Paramount Plus. Wow. You can watch all of Brendan Stimpy. And I'm choosing Oh my god. Season one, episode six. It's actually a two parter. They're two fifteen minute episodes. Oh, excellent. Called Black Hole slash Stimpy's Invention. And I'm picking it specifically because Stimpy's Invention is the happy helmet. Which makes Ooh. you happy whether you want to be or not. I remember <laughs> it being hilarious. February 92. Wow. 1992. These two episodes are almost a decade apart. It's the whole 90s between your episode and mine. Great. So we're going to take a little break and we're going to watch both of those episodes. Ren and Stimpy, S1, E6 on Paramount Plus and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. Season 5. Episode three on Hulu. We'll see you on the other side. Come back after the break. Please. BDFM is brought to you this week by Cecilia Safe. We'll protect your home by sending uh, over a couple of good old Sicilian Goombas to stand watch outside your house. That's right. Cecilia safe. It's better than a ring camera. If somebody comes up to your front door, you'll know they're there because you'll hear professional Sicilian technicians beating the shit out of anyone who comes within 50 feet of your home. 
you might think that this is racist against Sicilians, and it is. At Cecilia Safe, we reserve the right to be racist against ourselves. It's it's not racism. It's self-hating Siciliano. <laughs> and that's what we are at Cecilia Safe. We'll protect your home with a couple of pipe-hitting, gun-toting, fat-as-fuck. And let me warn you, if you're not Sicilian, don't repeat any of this to anyone. <laughs> don't use any of the language I'm using. If you're not actually a card-carrying Dago, you will get beat up for just even playing this commercial out loud. So don't do that. But get Cecilia safe if you want to protect your family with our family. Maron. Cecilia safe is technically not offensive as it uses our patented technology to use other people's stereotypes about the mafia against them. At Cecilia safe, our motto is Casa Tua e Adesso Casa Nostra. <laughs> And we're back. Welcome back to BDFM. We BDFM. just watched several episodes of TV. It's two count of several? I don't know. Well, one of them was sort of a split episode or a double episode, I guess. Okay. So we watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season five, episode three. And we watched Ren and Stimpy, season one, episode six. Mm-hmm. Well, to make a long story short, this is the Buffy episode where Xander gets split in two and then he gets pushed back together into one. At first you think it might be a demon who's masquerading as Xander, but of course it turns out they're both really Xander. One of them is roughly has most of the weaker characteristics of Xander. One of them has some of the stronger characteristics of Xander, if so you want to judge it that way, but they're both him. It's some ancient demon with a glowing face who wants to split Buffy in two. Exactly. So that some the staff of Arkarash or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Because if Buffy was split into one perfect slayer and one, you know, very basic Buffy Summers, you could just kill the mundane self and the slayer would die, according to the laws of this magic. Giles basically explains. The the staff splits you mm -hmm. into your best self and your worst self and if you kill one of them you kill both and then willow mm -hmm. she uh she puts the spell to an end by ending the spell with, she with says her own magic really dumb, like go back together or something like that <laughs> she says like the spell is ended and poof it's over but not before anya makes a joke about wanting to have a threesome with both sanders um which i feel today would be um I feel like the joke would be that they were like, oh, yeah, we all had sex earlier. They wouldn't let it go by with Xander being like, I can't believe that that's so gross. <laughs> like, it just, uh, it seems like. Well, he was into it, but Giles was like, let's pretend we didn't hear that. <laughs> it is still a TV 14 show or whatever, especially in the 90s. They were not going to intimate that having a threesome was okay. So yeah. Willa mushes them back together, as I think she said. What I guess Xander learns that he's capable of being put together if he puts yes. his mind to it. It's all a metaphor for sort of integrating the self. I think there's a little bit of imposter syndrome about it. He's just learning how to grow up and be an adult and how to not feel like actually showing up for work and getting a promotion and stuff. How, how to not feel like that's an imposter running his life. Cool. That was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. And then we watched Ren and Stimpy. Seemingly no connection between the two <laughs> shows. Ren and Stimpy from 92, Buffy from around 2000. Mm -hmm. The episode we watched was two half episodes, really. The first one was called Black Hole, where Ren and Stimpy are flying a spaceship and they accidentally get sucked into a black hole with lots of crazy uh, animation of the black hole sucking in stars and planets. <laughs> and the appear in this bizarro world on the other side of the black hole where first Stimpy splits into two. Mm -hmm. It's just two Stimpies and then 
one of them eats the other one oh, and swallows, <laughs> and so that's gross. how they go back together. And then lots of really cartoony stuff where their butts are falling off and their eyes are popping off their heads and Stimpy picks his nose yeah. and pulls his nose off. And a kudos to Ren and Stimpy for being able to convey that they're in a weird dimension where the laws of physics don't apply because the cartoon itself ignores the laws of physics and does all kinds of insane stuff with... Uh, yeah. And it was sort of an abstract animation. This is almost an excuse to just go 100 you know, yeah. miles per hour in that direction of just crazy cartoon cartooniness. Yes, yeah. Oh, so they realize that they can go back to their home universe if they get back to the rift in time. And for some reason, I missed it. They needed a quarter to make a phone call or something. They realize that they're going to implode. Yes. And because Stimpy like they're going to explode. And Stimpy's like, "Well, we what if we do this? Then we'll just implode or something like it's like he solves it, but he doesn't solve it." Yeah. And and then they start imploding and and Stimpy realizes, "Oh, I have all these quarters. We could have made <laughs> I don't know, the phone call. I don't know what it was. Uh, I don't remember. He, we we could have gotten out of here. Oops." And then they just <laughs> both implode and like comically suck into themselves and disappear. And that's the end. So they're dead. Yeah. It's horrific. Absolutely Um, scary. Like Kenny in South Park, they die. And then uh, we see the next vignettes where they're fine. (laughs) Um, The next vignette is the one I wanted to watch. It's called Stimpy's Invention Mm -hmm. and otherwise known as the happy helmet. Um, in this one, Stimpy is something of a mad scientist, and he's creating all these inventions. Let's see, the he's... the cheeseo meter, where which makes you speak mm. to cheese. So he says, "Say Cheez-a something phone? in Limburger." Go ahead, say something in Limburger. <laughs> he's a we, we can speak to cheese speak all to over cheese. the world. He has a box <laughs> labeled Invention. I N V I N S H I N. He pulls. Uh, a remote electric razor, so he's like shaving Ren from across <laughs> the room. Socks that never fall down, which Ren is like, oh, these are pretty cool. Yeah. And then he realizes the reason they never fall down is they're full of glue, and <laughs> Ren is immediately stuck in them, and he just starts getting apoplectic. Oh, God, And yes. Stimpy says, you're not happy, are you? <laughs> and he sets out to his lab to invent something to make Ren happy. And so he walks in after after How does Ren get working out? in his lab. Part of what he does working in his lab, he has a beaver on a cable that <laughs> sounds like a jackhammer. And he has a duck that he uses like an electric screwdriver. Yeah. How he, does Ren get out of the socks? He just, eventually, he's just out of them. The next scene. They don't show him getting out of them. He's okay. just... There's no uh, continuity here. Um, so R- Stimpy invents something. He goes, Ren, I have something for you. <laughs> and he just jams this helmet, this this sci-fi looking helmet onto Ren's head. And then it's just stuck there. And then he zaps a little remote control and it makes Ren happy. But yeah, with a big fake smile on his face that he mm-hmm. he's almost like the Joker. He like can't not be happy he's trying to he's trying his best to resist this like physical imposition of of happiness on his yeah on his skeleton making him miserable inside and this lasts for a couple of days where rin's just walking around with this crazy smile and then stimpy says i brought my favorite record and it's uh (laughs) it's called happy happy joy joy and the artist is called Stinky Whizzleteats. <laughs> Hello, boys and girls. This is your old pal, Stinky Whizzleteats. And they sing the Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy song. <laughs> it's the Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy song. So is he sort of a Rafi? Yeah. Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy. Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy. Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy. In UHF, when Weird Al is a Some of the most quotable things, we used to quote this all the time. <laughs> I'll teach you to be happy. I'll teach your grandmother to suck eggs. <laughs> I don't think you're happy enough. That's right. <laughs> I'll teach you to be happy. 
I'll teach your grandmother to suck eggs. If and you ain't the granddaddy of all liars. If and you ain't the granddaddy of all liars. I told you I'd shoot, but you didn't believe me. <laughs> I told you I'd shoot, but you didn't believe me. Why didn't you believe me? Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, Happy, happy, joy, joy. Okay, that's enough. Ren is hitting himself in the head with a hammer. And he gets more and more more insane. And so while Stimpy is happily dancing his little butt dance, Ren (laughs) finds a hammer and just starts banging himself in the head with the hammer, just over (laughs) and over, just crashing himself in the head to destroy this helmet. He eventually gets it off and he says... You're darn tootin', I'm, I'm angry or something. Oh, yeah, mad? he goes, Ren, are you mad? You're darn tootin', I'm angry. <laughs> Ren, you, you're angry? You're darn tootin', I'm angry. I have never been this angry in my entire life. He's like, I've never been so mad in my entire life. And Wait then a minute. Ren realizes, I love being angry. <laughs> Thank you, Stimpy. feel great i love being angry thank you stimpy so that's the resolution is ren learns to be angry and learns he's happy being angry mm-hmm. and the episode ends on a on his maniacal laughter <laughs> he's totally broken himself <laughs> one of the the classic maniacal laughter scenes there's a uh, commercial for log in between oh, the two yes. episodes. It's high it's fashion log. High fashion log for girls. It's a sequel to the original log. Mm-hmm. And this one's for girls where you see the girls like hammering uh, like wedding <laughs> dresses onto log. <laughs> and thankfully they played the classic song log, which goes a little something like this. Log rolls downstairs, it's better in pairs, rolls over your neighbor's dog. It's great for a snack, it fits in your back. It's log, log, log. It's log, it's log. It's big, it's heavy, it's wood. It's log, log. It's It's better better than than bad. bad. It's It's good. good. Really funny, quotable episode. Brandon Stimpy, very influential. Very formative. I wouldn't be who I am today without them. I'd be so much better. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. good couple of episodes. What do we what do we take from it? Yeah. Well, I definitely think that, that we need to listen to our friends and find out what kind of support they need from us. We don't need to just force our idea of happiness on them. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it's kind of like it's about being depressive, I think. I, I Mm-hmm. It's probably safe to say that John Kay is a bit of a depressive. He's a controversial figure, which we can talk mm. about. I think he was audited for sexual harassment of, of someone. Maybe that's the common link between these two episodes. That might be where we're going to delve in. Oh, Joss and John, both problematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Side note, John Kay hit on my girlfriend once when I was uh, living in San Francisco she emailed him something about he was coming to town and she emailed him and she had her phone number on there. And the next thing I know, her phone rings and she's like, John K. <laughs> and he was like asking her out and stuff like wow. on the phone. It was weird. They had never met. Uh, then we went and we, wow. we got uh, autographs of him and he was like talking her up and ignoring me. But anyway, um, I think that some things came out like he was definitely problematic, even at the time, like in terms of Nickelodeon was mad at him because he was behind Mm. schedule on every episode and some episodes didn't air on time. And he was kind of I guess he was a little bit of a diva in the sense that he knew what he had here was gold Mm. and he wasn't going to rush it and he wasn't going (laughs) to give a shit if it came in on time or whatever sure and eventually he got fired off the show and they replaced him even though he was the voice of ren Hmm. but i i mean as someone uh, myself living with depression i i think this really spoke to me and it's in a way that uh, Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Like you said, not the way to deal with depression. <laughs> but, you know, especially when I'm, uh, I'm sort of underemployed at the moment and looking for work and I get depressed and I find myself sometimes just like paste on a smile <laughs> through gritted teeth because of that scientific theory that if you smile, mm -hmm. then your face structure will actually make your brain happier. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I feel very much like Ren sometimes. It's like, especially if I have to go out in public and I'm like having a terrible day, right? And somebody's yeah. like, have a nice day. And I just like paste on gritted smile. <laughs> oh, I'll God. teach you to be happy. <laughs> Str strangely, it, it's such a cartoony cartoon, but it, felt very real to me and it's sort of depiction of depression <laughs> and, and underlying anger yes what's right? interesting is that you're i think correctly identifying it as depression but it manifests as rage most of the time ren is very sure. angry it's not that he's not mopey but stimpy is like he's unhappy he figures out that he's unhappy now he's unhappy because at the moment he's he's, he's glued into socks stimpy. he's literally stimpy is, i'll kill you <laughs> And Stimpy is just like, has the vaguest understanding of, of his emotions, which is funny because Stimpy is the cat and Ren is the dog. So Ren is constantly a hyper overreacting, full of rage, screaming. Yeah. And the cat, like is, always, the cat is always like, he seems upset, I guess, <laughs> about something. He is very much yeah. like a chihuahua in that he's just like constantly <laughs> like barking yeah. at, at Stimpy. But yeah, but he's angry. And then when he gets happy, when he sort of snaps into happiness and can't completely fight it off and he he starts going around going i need to go do good things i need to do nice things for my best friend stimpy it's really interesting he's not just like lying around blissfully he like starts doing things i love cleaning yeah. stimpy's stinky litter yeah, box. he cleans up the litter box and um, he's like ironing his underpants which is interesting. Maybe there's some other kind of metaphor there for like the feminine mystique of like Ren as like a housewife who's <laughs> like cleaning a litter. Kind box. of. They sort of live like a domestically like a couple in a lot of ways. And mm -hmm. there's even times when like Ren will dress up in a little tie and have a briefcase <laughs> and be like, I'm off to work, honey, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so yeah, Stimpy is coded as the mm -hmm. um, submissive half of a relationship mm -hmm. sort of the yin to ren's yang i guess I yeah say. if yang In means uh, violent abusive anger honestly i think that's that's in there <laughs> yeah that's maybe. on the yang side of things yin would be a cold anger <laughs> uh, it's interesting what you said about anger versus depression or depression leading to anger because I think that's like an mm -hmm. epidemic in our country right now, mm. which I think stems from depression. You know, a lot of people are, yeah, feel like they're not getting a fair shake. Even like a lot of rural white guys feel like they're being, even though they're they're probably benefiting from some sort of privilege, but they feel like they're being left behind because the rich mm -hmm. right wing are, you know, basically just taking all of the wealth the 1% is just taking everything and mm -hmm. people turned that depression from not getting much in life into boiling over rage like ren so yeah. ren is an incel is what i'm saying <laughs> misdirected depression leading to mm -hmm. uh, lashing out in anger sure oh and xander it splits into a liberal and a conservative. <laughs> Not really, but a little bit. He, There's something to that. His one self is is more conservative in the sense the way he dresses more conservatively. His hair is more combed and gelled and styled, whereas the frumpy Xander is more the hippie style. Like he's wearing a yeah. loud flowery shirt and like these cool red baggy jeans that are kind of like <laughs> yeah. But he's but he's sort of he's like the slacker. He's, he's the um, slacker Xander, which also codes to liberal hippie in a way. It does. It codes to like being a stoner, which is not explicitly said because it was the nineties. I don't think it would have really flown. I think that care. I think he and Willow would have been smoking pot in high school, if not college. Yeah. 
at, at some point, but they do not put that in the show, as far as I know. <laughs> and, and we talked about, when we were watching it, that there's a Rick and Morty that almost takes this exact concept, which is the mm-hmm. relaxation spa, whatever it's called. I think, yeah, I think it's called rest and relaxation. Uh-huh. There's a lot there about, like, they split... denial. Like, you know, can you deny your own, all the worst parts of you? They're, they're, they split into their best selves and in their their worst traits, mm-hmm. but they also kind of show how like Morty becomes kind of toxically mm-hmm. successful, and like he he's getting laid with this adult woman, even though yeah. he's a kid, and he's like making millions of dollars, and he's just like he's a little wolf of Wall Street. Like, yeah, he's, he's, he's a little wolf of Wall or Street. Or no, he's well, he he's almost like a like, yeah. Uh, yeah, he he turns into Wolf of Wall Street. You know, like he's <laughs> successful, but kind of a monster. Yeah. Also in that one, um, Rick figures out that his love for Morty and his attachment to Morty is in his worst self. There's this implication that the parts of Rick that love Morty are uh, are not positive. They're a weakness. <laughs> they're a weakness in a way, they're a weakness. Him, yeah. That's interesting. We just watched the season finale of. The Last of Us season one mm-hmm. last night. You've probably already seen it. If not, what the hell are you doing listening to this? Go fucking yeah. watch that show. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel that relates to Joel in the last episode because mm. he his love for Ellie was almost evil. Mm-hmm. In in one sense, sacrificing Ellie was going to save the world. <laughs> And sure. she, well, would, she would have probably said yes. She would have probably agreed to it if she knew that. Yeah. And in another sense, he just was turned into a murderous monster, mm-hmm. killing everyone, including people that probably were valuable. Yeah. Just for his undying love for this young girl that mm-hmm. was standing for his daughter. Anyway, this isn't about that show, but I thought it was interesting that you you mentioned that love for a friendship or a familial love mm-hmm. is actually kind of toxic or can be in some ways. Yeah. Well, because is it love or is it like just attachment to having the person with you? Rick and Morty might both be better off if they went their separate ways, but mm-hmm. Rick's attachment to his grandson is toxic in some ways, partially because Rick uses Morty, but also because I think he just feels like this loneliness in his life and he just likes having Morty around. Yeah, Um, definitely. So how does that relate back to? This episode that we watched is all about Xander's imposter syndrome and and his his struggle with being able to accept that he is, that he can do hard things, that he is sometimes valuable. The hippie Xander couldn't believe that the other Xander was good at his job. And Xander is just, we see him being good at construction and good at making things, he eventually becomes a pretty good carpenter. He has a lot of practical skills, but uh, he's not the hero who saves anyone. He's the comic relief. And he's the author insert because he's a stand-in for Joss, which is acknowledged by Joss Whedon. He's just said, Xander is who I was in high school. Mm. And he's written as a teenage boy. Like, this is, oh yeah, this is how teenage boys joke around with their girl best friends in high school i had boy best friends when i was in high school and none of them were i mean xander is just like consistently creepy and gross to both buffy and willow in various ways he just wouldn't be written the same way today maybe but it was that more real because like i mean maybe i was a teenage boy i'm sure i said some (laughs) creepy stupid stuff to girls i just think i think that some of some of it is uh doesn't hold up that well but Xander as a character definitely goes from somewhat detestable in the first and second seasons to just like a very solid character mm-hmm. who usually starts, usually is making moral choices and, and he becomes confident and he becomes capable of a lot of things with this episode as the inflection point. So his point character turns on this episode? I would say so, yes. Mm-hmm. By the end of... By the end of season five, he's uh, proposed to Anya. He's helping everybody save the world. And so he basically stands in as like a junior slayer. Confidence. And you mentioned imposter syndrome. It's, 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 it's a lot about like 
just thinking that you're good enough mm-hmm. for some stuff. Because, yeah. you know, we all get in our heads and we're like, I'm, I'm just not good enough to do this job or to yeah. be with this person or even to be friends with some cool people or whatever it is. Yeah. A little taste of success at some of these things can be a real boost. And I guess so mm-hmm. metaphorically seeing yourself being yeah put together and Republican. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but, you know, seeing yourself being successful. Yeah. Or seeing that the world perceives you that way in some contexts. Yeah. And feeling like that's not really you. If I split into my best self and my worst self, I still don't think that the realtor that showed us the, the house <laughs> in Highland Park would have been trying to fuck me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a weird detail. And he's definitely more attractive when he's in his... When he's put together? His alter ego. Well, no, I'm not, the, I'm not saying he is. The The show tells us that. The, the twin, show tells us that he's magically... The twins hotter? ...really attractive. Yeah, to um, people in the show. I don't know. I, I, sure I think that's that true. the Xander, with, who's, you know, wearing loud clothes and has mm-hmm. stringier hair is, is more charming to me, but... Yeah, definitely. Maybe that's just because I relate to the loser version of Xander. <laughs> well, he is... Um, he is more relatable, obviously. We're in his POV. It makes sense to us. In fact, that's kind of why it's a genius episode is because it, we're so used to Xander being clumsy and losing and complaining about how he's always the loser. We don't really notice. And I, I think you notice on repeat viewings, like, oh, everything that can go wrong goes wrong. He trips all over his own feet. He drops everything. He's very clumsy. Somebody no, opens the porta potty door right into his face. <laughs> yes, and then you see you see smooth Xander like perfectly going under something that the construction guys are carrying. He's Mister Magoo. He just walks around. Yeah, <laughs> is immune from accidents. It's kind of cool in a way. I hate it because <laughs> people are always saying, "Oh, just be confident, and you'll mm-hmm. get jobs and women." <laughs> <laughs> You know, that doesn't always work, like just being confident, because there's other sure. factors in the world. I can be as confident as, as I can muster, and I still won't get every job I want. Mm-hmm. And I still won't fuck every woman that I want. <laughs> but of course, that would be impossible, because I want to fuck every woman. <laughs> and who has the time, really, when it comes down to it? Right? You'd have to split yourself into two. I'd have to split myself into three billion <laughs> 3.5 billion. Wow. Okay, in my age range, 2 billion. <laughs> <laughs> so part of me feels like, oh, this is um, that stupid advice you get from well-meaning friends. This relates to the happy helmet too because mm-hmm. don't tell your depressed friend, oh, cheer up or smile. If you yeah. see a girl frowning on the bus, don't say smile because mm-hmm. that just makes us as depressed people fucking live it (laughs) although when people do when people just smile at me when i'm feeling bad it makes me feel great but when somebody says smile and i want to punch them so rude yes so it's the kind of thing where you you can cheer up a friend but you can't just slap a happy helmet on them and Mm -hmm. play stinky whistle teats and yeah (laughs) expect them to suddenly be happy yeah you can't make someone perform happiness to make you more comfortable Sure, you know, yeah. That's like, a lot of it is about that, you know. Stimpy wanting to make himself feel better by mm-hmm. erasing Ren's neurodivergence. <laughs> yeah, basically. That's a good point. It's like he should know who Ren is. Yeah. But yeah, the bad advice of like, just mm-hmm. be yourself or just be confident and just have posture and comb your hair. Yeah. And th- good things will happen. That's terrible advice. Although, yeah. It's it's not bad to be more confident and to know yourself, be self-aware, but um mm. we can't just can't just fake confidence like you can't fake happy. Yeah. I think is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You can become more confident, but you can't just turn it on. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, you mentioned neurodivergence. I think we would be remiss if we didn't point out that Anya is what we would now probably call a coded autistic character, similar to Abed in Community. She's she's often too literal 
she has trouble understanding human concepts. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Her character has been kind of critiqued for being like, so she was a demon and then she turned into a human. And so then that, that makes her like not understand these social concepts. She's very, she's very brash. She'll say things everyone's thinking, but no one else is supposed to say. Hmm. And then she'll be like, well, what's the point of this? Like, well, what's the problem? And it doesn't make that much sense because she presumably, she, she did like a quantum leap sort of thing where she was constantly popping into people's, you know, uh, she was constantly popping into people's lives to, to grant wishes and, and, and wreak revenge as a vengeance demon. So she should be able to to have conversations with people. Um, she's a Scott Bakula character. She is. But, uh, but yeah, but part of her personality is that she's just, she's very Spock-like. Mm. She's often, Oh, this is what you know, you humans extra. call love. Yes, yeah. Um, and she, well, you, she... You mentioned when we were watching, but I don't think in the podcast, that she's mm-hmm. 10,000 years old. She's a, she's a thousand. She's about a thousand. She's 1,100 okay. years old. She was an ancient vampire demon or she was revenge, a vengeance yeah vengeance she was a vengeance demon, demon but then turned into a human so now she mm-hmm. in this episode she's dealing with the fact that she will die and get older yeah but she starts out as a human too later we delve into her backstory she starts out as a human a thousand years ago she's created sure. whatever but she is trying to look at her life now that she's human as on a schedule and she's trying to figure out like okay well you know if i have this many years left these are the things that I need to be able to do. Human life, which is totally inexplicable to her. She's just trying to sort of go, okay, well, I guess if I'm just really confident, I sort of read up on what I'm supposed to do. And I of... and I just go, okay, well, I'm a human. Sure. So so she in every episode, she'll go like, I've realized that I should get a job and I should find out about money. And she becomes great with business. But I think there's definitely something to the fact that she's just like, she latches onto the first guy <laughs> And she can do better, by the way. She's she gets gorgeous. stuck in high school, and and for some reason Xander is around, and they have some witty banter. So she's like, "Okay, well, I guess do you want to go to the prom with me?" <laughs> and he's like, "Okay." So she's just trying to figure out the social. A human, so yeah. I guess we're together. Now. And she sticks with him. She sticks with him the whole time, and it makes no sense. And she's she she pressures him to marry her. There's a great episode where he leaves her at the altar. Oh. They do a flash forward of their horrible lives together. <laughs> like what it will be like if they get married. It's really bad. It turns out to just be a spell, obviously. But yeah, they're one of the great TV couples that shouldn't be together and uh, really are not that good for each the other. Ross and Rachel of their time. Yes, exactly. I don't know if this is a side note or if it's relevant, but we mentioned that they do make a Star Trek reference to Spock. Kill us both, Spock. I wanted to do on this podcast and hopefully we will soon. The two Rikers episode, I don't know if it's called the two Rikers, but mm-hmm. Riker gets split into two and they're both him. It's a transporter mishap. So presumably in this world of fantasy magic, they have a TV show that did the same thing <laughs> uh, using real science. Yeah. There was a transporter mishap in, in Star Trek and it's a magical staff in yeah. Buffy. And this kind of the same thing happens. As far as I can recall, uh, Riker splits into two and one of them becomes an angry and isolated mm. sort of husk of himself because he thinks he was left by his friends. Like he, he basically is in solitary confinement. The other Riker just going on to live his life. Aww. And I think um, one of them eats the other and that's how they get back together. <laughs> oh, that was Stimpy. That was Stimpy. Oh, that episode is called Second Chances. That also reminds me of the Doctor Who where um, this lady Amelia Pond yeah. ages by herself in this horrible world until she's like 60 and then mm-hmm. uh, meets her younger self and they basically erase her entire existence. Yeah. And even though it was terrible, she doesn't want to want it to be erased. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like sliding doors. It's like the people we could have been or could be. Hmm. It's interesting. I think I originally chose this episode because I was thinking about, oh yeah, there's the episode where Xander gets his own apartment. Like that's what I was remembering oh. it as. I was thinking about what are episodes about people moving because we've yeah. been in the process of moving for. And we just signed forever. for this place about a month ago, and um, mm-hmm. he was signing his, for a lease and yeah. doing the same kind of things we were doing. Incidentally, 
of course, the apartment that is the exterior of Xander's is is in the neighborhood right where I went to street. high school, just like Cordelia's <laughs> apartment is. As you've pointed out to me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I recognize that exterior of that white house. I think it's up in yeah. the Hollywood Hills where we walk sometimes. And I was going to that high school at the time <laughs> that I saw this episode Oh, as it aired live. Um, side note, season five was the first season of Buffy I saw because I hadn't seen the first four seasons, but I started watching it in season five because my brother was going to college at the time and asked me to tape it. I, I guess I ta- it was before TiVo. So I believe I taped it onto a VHS tape for him and started watching the season five opener, which is one where Dracula comes by. It's a good one. Well, the first episode of Buffy I saw was the silent episode. Is oh. that in season five? Season four. Four. That's a great one. Yeah. That might have been the first one I ever saw too. And then I went back and started from the Yeah, beginning. I'm trying to but, remember if, if Ginny and I watched that one before. But I, I don't think I ever watched season five, actually. I don't think I'd actually seen this one before. I watched the first three or four seasons. It is good. It gets a little repetitive. Like I said, it, it Joss Whedon's writing, while clever, sounds like writing. It doesn't sound... Mm-hmm. It sounds like an older person trying to do an impression of how teenagers sound mm-hmm. and sure. missing the mark a little bit. Sure. He kind of makes up idioms that people don't actually say. That like Absolutely. Yeah, there's that, so many. That we never actually said when we were 17. Buffy's uh, always saying things like, very much with the knot. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, exactly. Stuff what? like that. Stuff, exactly. That's a great <laughs> example. Of the, it is how we talk in the 90s. That, uh, a little like bit. Somebody who's 35 thinks that somebody who's 17 does, <laughs> But somebody who's 17 has never said that. <laughs> yes. Um, in that way, it's, it, it's, it's literary. It, it, it's like Shakespeare in the sense that it's clever, but it doesn't sound like how people have ever talked. <laughs> sure. Which I mentioned is kind of like Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. No one's really ever talked like Jay. Yeah. There's something very... Especially in Clerks. Dramatic. Like Dante well, yes. would Dante say these long very... expositional sentences. And, you know, yeah. behind the scenes stuff I've seen since then has shown that they would try, the actors would try to reword the sentences so oh, that they my. were easier to say. And Kevin was like, no, that's not... The, Oh. And I think I guess he's gotten better at it, but when he was a young writer, he he would make them say word for word, and I think Joss is the same way. Sure, of I, course. I don't think he would let people improvise, and and I guess that's a good um, transition into the sense that it's really come out that Joss is sort of a tyrant and a, mm-hmm. an asshole to yeah. work with. Not yeah. so much Kevin Smith; he seems like a good, cool dude. <laughs> yeah, I met him once. He was really high, but he was yeah. nice. Yeah. I once, uh, I think I high-fived him that night. Kevin or Joss? Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Joss. Oh, you, you came to that comedy theater I was working I did. at that mm-hmm. night? Yeah, that's right. And I, I once sat in front of Joss. Well, I probably sat behind him. What, what am I saying? I had better tickets than Joss? I don't know. At uh, an improvised Shakespeare show. Oh, mm-hmm. one of those. Yeah. Excellent. Speaking of Shakespeare. Uh, amazing. Middle Ditch was there. Was he that behind was my... you or in front of you? No, Middle Ditch was on stage yeah. doing Shakespeare, you guys. But uh, but yes, as we know, the art that you put out has has your hopes and dreams and all of your positive qualities and all of your negative qualities all over mm. them for everyone to see. Writers for a long time have maybe thought, well, no one's gonna no one's gonna see that this is about my dad. You know what I mean? And then it's like they make these movies where you know, like Star Wars. You're, this is literally just like about a, a, a guy and a, like a scary dad and a guy who's like, I don't want to do what you're telling me to do. It's very, you could mm-hmm. say it on a basic level. And all of our stories are very. bored in a small town that wants to go to the big yeah, city. Yeah. Which um, I related to quite. But Joss's uh, stories, especially Buffy, have some qualities of, yeah, maybe wanting to control people a little too much in general, women specifically. Mm. But um, but there's some there's just some some fingerprints of uh, human weakness all over every piece of art. Yeah, I think that's interesting, and especially now that we're everyone is an artist, like mm-hmm. with Twitter and Facebook, and we're all displaying constantly our mm. worst and best selves. We always think we're displaying our best selves, or we yeah hope that we are, but we really yeah our frumpy Xanders are, are always. <laughs> 
kind of out there. Yeah. Which I, I always worry about. This group I used to work with, The Midnight Show, had a great sketch. I think it was written by Heather Ann Campbell, one of the best writers in Hollywood. And Jeff Sloniker was the actor. And it was about the, the first president who grew up with social media. It was like, oh, no. In the future, uh-huh. the first zillennial president mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who had social media when they were 10. Oh, my and God. It was just all apologizing for this sort of unfiltered. Mm-hmm. Frumpy Xander, I'm going to call it, that we just <laughs> are, you know, displaying. Because you know, I guess it's always been true, but, you know, not on such a large scale. There wasn't social media when I was in high school, but people saw my worst self when I was in high school. Sure. I think we all displayed our worst selves. Yeah. You know, we're growing up and we're going through puberty. And mm-hmm. I would, you know, like Xander, I'm sure, say stupid stuff to girls <laughs> to try to get their attention. or Sure. I guess there's no getting around that unless you selectively edit your Twitter, <laughs> which maybe I should do. Yeah. I always wonder when I'm applying for jobs, they always ask for social media now. So like I'm going, are there tweets I should go back and erase so I get a better job? It's always worth a look, I guess. Especially like being in comedy. I don't do too much Twitter comedy. I never have because I'm a Gen X. But um, <laughs> I do comedy on stage I do stand-up, and I've written lots of sketches. I've been naked on stage several times. That stuff can cost you jobs. Like, the problem with being sure. a comedian who's not working as a comedian at the moment, <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to get straight jobs. Yeah. But my persona on social media yes. is that of a comedian, and I'm doing YouTube comedy, and I'm, you know, doing these animated improv shows and stuff. Yeah, and you all that wanna, stuff's out there. Yeah, you don't want to scrub those results because what if someone in comedy wants to give you a job? Right, exactly. And that's the dilemma. The problem is I want a comedy job and I'm presenting my public persona as a comedian, but I'm asking for computer jobs that... Wow. And and those people are, are looking at me and going, oh, but you're a comedian. But I'm like, oh, no, but I'm good at computers too. So you're trying, wow, you kind of have to put on your smooth Xander outfit and slick back your hair a little bit and sort of pretend that you're like this. I do, yeah. You know, straight across guy. But I mean, I guess the lesson is that, you know, even when we do that, we're still the same person inside. It's too bad that Xander uh, couldn't have become a podcaster. Well, he was only 20 in 2000, so he was probably a podcaster when he was 40. <laughs> That's true. The guy who played Spike has a podcast now. Sure. What have we learned today? Today, today. Don't split yourself into two Unless you want to have sex with everyone in the world then do <laughs> because two of me is too many of me because one of me is enough you are enough I'm almost enough happy Happy, joy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy. We do like a minor. Happy, happy, joy, joy. <laughs> happy, happy, joy. I feel happy. I feel happy. This has been BDFM. We'll be back again. Probably next week. Time, probably next week. And, and uh, we'll be discussing something else. All right. You can find us on social media at BDFM pod. Mm-hmm. Most things. You can check out the podcast on any podcast app, but you can also find it on Garage TV. That's G R A G E dot TV. 
And that's where the auto pod- audio podcast is. It's also where you can listen to our watch-alongs if you subscribe to Garage TV. Or if you give us a few bucks on our Patreon, you can do the watch-alongs. Mm-hmm. We might start doing video watch-alongs. We're thinking about that, yes. Right now, they're audio watch-alongs. You press play at the same time we do on Hulu or Paramount Plus or whatever it is. And you can watch on that device while you listen to us discuss the deep inner workings of the show. Mm-hmm. Search for our link tree. It's linkter.ee slash pod. All of our links are on there. I guess you could just Google pod at that point. Send um, us your suggestions for things you want us to talk about, I guess. What else? That's our episode. Is there anything else we need to say? I don't think so. You all know how podcasts end. Yeah. They end with a whimper, not a bang. If you forgot to turn your clocks forward at this point, then I mean, it's been a long time. Probably um, you you missed this episode because you tried to listen to it an hour late. I don't know what you, what you were doing. <laughs> the episode's already over. <laughs> you forgot to set your clock back, and the episode was over before you even started. You... Good luck out there. You stimpy. Frumpy Xander. You you frumpy stimpy. <laughs> this episode you. was brought to you by Frumpy and Stimpy. <laughs> You've made it this far. God bless. Okay. <laughs> this has been BDFM. I've been D. I've been B. And the FM, as always, stands for Flack Makers. TM. Flack Makers. Bye-bye. Goodbye. BDFM. BDFM.